Welcome to today's Bible study with Pastor Josh Tice. The next time you're in Las Vegas, we'd love to meet you in person at Southern Hills. If you happen to watch us regularly, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and consider sharing this video with a friend. You can support the ministries of Southern Hills by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab. Now, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn how the Bible is relevant in your life today. And welcome back to Southern Hills. Are you glad to be here today? If you are, say amen. Amen. We are glad you're here today. Today we're going to study from the book of Luke. I'm not sure if I'm on yet. There we go. Luke chapter number five is our text today. We're going to get started with a brand new sermon series entitled Disruptor from Old to Bold. We're going to understand a little bit more about Jesus. Any Jesus followers in the room today? There you go. Good. We're going to learn a little bit more. I want a little bit more sound coming from the mic. That'll be helpful. Luke chapter number five, verse 33. And following new sermon series entitled Disruptor, these three weeks are going to answer a question that many have asked for thousands of years. And that is this. It's a simple question. If Jesus was such a great guy, why did they kill him? That's a good question to ask. It's a good historical question and theological question and a logical question, right? Like so many people say, I love Jesus. Jesus is great. Even those who don't call themselves Christians say they like Jesus. Even those who call themselves other religions say he was a good man or a good prophet. But if he was so good, why did they kill him? And in this sermon series, wow, we're going to find out over the next three weeks, the things that Jesus did that caused the people around him to not like him in a lot of ways. And my goal is hopefully as I teach this sermon, it, you'll understand uh, why you don't, many people don't like Jesus, but hopefully um, why some hopefully will keep liking me. Okay, we'll see. Probably not so much, but we'll see. Luke chapter number five, verse, verse number 33 and following. The first sermon in the series is entitled, the old way won't work. The old way won't work. The old religion won't work. The old way to God won't work. Your old way won't work. The way you were raised, it, it won't work. The, what, you, what you were taught, you were taught, you were taught wrong. Everything you've known, it's not true. What they told you was a lie. You're not who, who they say you are. It's incredibly offensive what's going to happen over the next 25 minutes. And some of you won't be able to handle it. I'm just going to tell you right now. And there's a sequel next Sunday and then a threequel the week after. Um, and it is the essence of why they killed Jesus. So good luck to us. Let's pray. Father, as we get into the passage today... I pray that you would give us clear indication of what it said to them and what it says to us. We need you today to teach us. We need you, Holy Spirit, to come in and lead us. We need your understanding from this passage. Oh God, give us clarity of thought. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What if somebody is unwilling to give up the old way? What if somebody says, I refuse. I, I, I do not want to give it up. Well, if you're like me, I'm an I'm a old Nevada guy, born and raised in Nevada. I'm kind of a, 
uh, a freedom guy at heart, a libertarian at heart. I'm kind of like, you do you. You go your way, I'll go mine. I, I want people to do whatever they want to do. I don't feel the necessity to control what everybody else does. So if somebody says, I don't want to give up the old way, that's, that's fine. You do the old way. But for the people that you care about, you love, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, your relatives, the people sitting among this church, your husband, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, your grandparents, your uncle, your aunt, what if they still won't give up the old way? And the old way is hurting them, it's holding them back. The proposition for the first sermon that leads into the other two over the next two weeks is your old religion will not work. Your old religion won't work to get you to heaven. Your old religion won't work to get you to God. Your old religion won't work to change you. Your old religion won't break the habits of sin. Your old religion will not help heal your marriage. Your old religion will not help you connect your children or your parents, grandchildren or grandparents. Your old religion won't work. And that's Jesus' point in this passage and following. Your old religion doesn't work, no matter how much you like it, no matter how much you're used to it. It's just not going to work. Religion, for those who are new or maybe those who may not understand the term, religion is man's way of connecting to God, man's way of connecting to the divine. For those who don't believe in God, religion is man's way of connecting to the ether, the force, if you will. It's our way of connecting to that which is larger to us. And so what man does is we construct religious systems to help us properly understand that which is bigger or larger than we are, and then we allow ourselves steps and ways to get to the divine. But the old way doesn't work anymore. We played a lot of games as kids, so did you. How many of you ever played this way? Anybody play this game? It was a lot of fun, right? You just got two, two cans together. How many of you did play this growing up? You had two cans, you drew a string across the way, and you were AT&T, you were Sprint, you know what I mean? <laughs> You're not charged a data plan with this thing, you know what I'm talking about? Right, Caesar? I mean, did you do this? All right, here, grab a hold, Caesar. Okay, all right. Now, we're going to communicate to each other at this point. We're going to stay in touch because we're supposed to, you know, you know, talk occasionally, all right? Go ahead, reach in. No, not with your mouth. You got to <laughs> put it up and talk to me. I want you to speak to me. Okay, go ahead. I can't hear a thing you're saying. I <laughs> Did you play this as a kid? You're not showing, you're embarrassing me in front of everybody. There's somebody in the back that like, that's why I never sit up front right there. Right. <laughs> go ahead. How's your day going? I heard you out of this ear because it came around. <laughs> Thanks, Caesar. Now, this makes a lot of sense if you're a kid, right? If you're a child, this is the kind of thing that you do. You play games of communication, and then you grow up, and, uh, and you get a pager, <laughs> or you get a beeper. How many of you have a beeper? How many of you have a beeper with you right now? How many of you have a beeper with you right now? Okay, there's something wrong with you, or you've got an interesting job, right? You get rid of the old, and you upgrade, and then you get rid of that beeper, and you get the block called a cell phone. How many of you remember... How many of you remember the Zach Morris 1997 cell phone? You know what I'm talking about? And then you get rid of that and you got a razor. And the, you remember the flip phone razor? 
flip phone razor was cool, man. You got that and you were the, you were, you were the stuff. And then you went from that to the, the, the iPhone, to the Android, and now the whole world is split over which one? Constantly. Because the old doesn't work, but what if somebody refuses to do it? When it comes to religion, when it comes to communicating to friends, that's one thing. Like, you want to stay in touch with friends, family, coworkers, neighbors. You want to, and so you find new ways of doing that, and that's fine. But if you want to connect with God, the problem is that Jesus presents is the old way of the religious systems that man creates, they're not good enough to stay connected to God. In fact, they can never connect you to God. Those religions could be anything from the ancient religions of Judaism or, 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 um, or um, Islam or Buddhism or Taoism or Confucianism or, or even the modern versions of what we call Christianity, like Catholicism or Mormonism or the Baptist way or the Pentecostal way, whatever it might be, these religious structures that are built on edifices of rules that allow us to reach out and try to touch the divine in some way just always fail. That's what Jesus gets to here. So you might say, well, Pastor Josh, what's wrong with the old religion? What's wrong with the old way? What's wrong with the religions of this world? Well, there are three things that we point out here in this passage. Number one, Luke chapter five, verse 33 through 35 tell us the old religion is often hung up on the details. Say that one with me. It's hung up on the details. Let's say that together. It's hung up on the details. The old religion is always hung up on the details. Instead of focusing on the trees, we get lost. Instead of focusing on the forest, we get lost in the details of the trees, as they say. Luke chapter five, verse 33, Jesus is speaking with the Pharisees or the religious leaders of his day. And they said to Jesus, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, those are the Pharisees, but yours, well, they eat anything they want, they drink anything they want. Jesus is discussing religion with the religious leaders. And they're really confused because most of the religious leaders of the day and most of the followers of the day of those religions would practice fasting, giving up a certain things for a certain amount of time for a specific purpose. They would have long times of prayer, Long times of giving up things that they wanted. Self-deprecation was part of the religious process as it was back then and so it is today. And so they had a question, an honest question for Jesus. Jesus, why is it that we give up all sorts of things, but you don't give up things and your disciples don't give up things? You're not following the religious practices of the day. Verse number 34, and Jesus said unto them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while there is a bridegroom is with them? Jesus asks them a question. Do you, do you fast when you go to a wedding? Like how weird would that be? You go to a wedding, big, beautiful wedding. You're sitting down at the table. All the food comes by. They sit in front and you're like, sorry, I'm fasting. I'm not eating today. Some of you don't do that. You don't do that. That's rude. So you're like, I don't eat any of this. Can you bring me some nuts and berries? Right? You know, like <laughs> some kind of a special diet. And so this is what Jesus is saying. Do you really do that? No. When you go to the wedding, you eat and fast and buy a feast. By the way, by the way, back then, their weddings were not one day. Their weddings were not a few hours. Their weddings went for three, four, and five days. The reason they went so long is because you had to travel for some, from such a distance. You wanted to enjoy that wedding and the feast of that wedding. 
So this is what they did. Jesus said, there's no way you would go without eating while the wedding was going on. Jesus is referring to himself as the groom and he's referring to his followers as the bride. He's saying right now, we are in the midst of the wedding. I'm here. Why would they go without eating when I'm here? Today is a day of celebration, not a day of fasting. Today is a celebration. It's a day of feasting. And so verse 35, but the days will come when I will leave. That is the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. There is a day coming and we're in that day when Jesus has gone away where we do practice prayers and fasting and self-denial. And we do so because we look forward to the coming back of our groom. That is Jesus Christ. By the way, how many Christians in here look forward to Jesus coming back? Can I get an amen? Now, What is Jesus attempting to say here about religion and to the religious leaders? A few things, a few things. I love weddings, I really do. Um, Anybody here love weddings? How many of you really love going to weddings? Raise your hand, don't lie. Some of you are like, no, don't lie. How many of you really like going to weddings? Raise your hand, all right, very good. All of the women in the room and me. I don't don't care, I do. I like weddings because there's free food and, uh, and there's dancing and I... I'm good. Like, you don't even want to know. I am. But I've always loved weddings, and it's a good thing because it's one of the things I do. I perform a lot of weddings. I'm part of a lot of weddings, and I see a lot of brides, and I've noticed there are two kinds of brides. This is the part of sermon where I uh, offend people. No, I'm just kidding. I won't offend you here. There are two kinds of brides. I've noticed this. There are some brides that are so overly obsessed about the details that they miss the wedding. And there are some brides who are so obsessed with the wedding, they just enjoy the details. Let me ask you a question as it relates to life. Are you so overly obsessed about the details that you're missing out on life? Or are you obsessed with life and you just happen to enjoy the details that come along the way? That's how religion often is. And that's the problem with these religious leaders. They were so overly obsessed with the details of their religion, they were no longer enjoying God. Are you fasting on this day? Are you eating that? Are you not eating that? What are you wearing? What are you saying? What did you say this? Why did you say this? How did you say this? Are you walking the right way? What days are you doing those things? Are you taking care of yourself for 40 days before Easter? What are all the things that you need to do? And they're obsessed about all the details and they no longer like God. The reason the old religion doesn't work is because we're so hung up on the details. We overly emphasize the details. Pastor, how do I know if I'm overly emphasizing the details when it comes to my faith? There's a few ways you can check. For example, you know you overly emphasize the details of your religion when when you try to pick a new church? Like, You love coming to Southern Hills, and so for as long as you're in Las Vegas, you like coming here. Can I get an amen? Amen. That was not comforting. There wasn't enough, (laughs) you know. (laughs) You love this church. You love keep coming here. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, okay, all right, we'll see, we'll see. Um, But someday God may move you to another location like Connecticut or Kentucky or, you know, uh, the Caribbean, (laughs) you know. And when you go there, you gotta pick a new church. And, and when you do pick a new church, you're gonna have priorities. 
What are your priorities? This will help you determine whether or not you overemphasize details that are unimportant. Well, pastor, if they've got music that I really enjoy, that really speaks to me, music that's really good for my soul and what I like, and, and if they, they've got the music that I like, if everybody dressed, pastor, I went to this church, everybody dressed very similar to the way I do. We all dressed up because you enjoy fancy, or we all dress casual because you enjoy casual, whatever it is, but your preference is being presented there, and that's a big tick on your box, right? That's, that's a big one for you. Or they use the preferred Bible version that I used. They've got the denominational title that, that I like right on side. They labeled their church appropriately. And those are the things I look for in a church. But you haven't asked the question, are they true to the gospel of Christ? You haven't asked the question, do they teach people the Bible? Do the people of the word, the people, do they have the Bible? Are they reaching souls with the gospel of Christ? Are they truly seeing converts made? Are the waters of baptism being stirred? Are they making disciples? Here's my concern. Is there a lot of Christians, and if you're not careful, you'll fall into this trap. There are a lot of Christians who would rather join a church that hasn't seen somebody saved and baptized in six months, but they've got all the other things important to them going for them. You would prefer a church that is not accomplishing the work of kingdom building because your preferential religious traditions. You've fallen into the trap of the details. I see. Here's another way you can notice if you're overemphasizing the details in your religion rather than your relationship with God, how you practice your faith daily. You say, what do you mean how you practice your faith daily? Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay, the, you pay a tithe of the mint and the anise and the cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. See, the problem with the religious people of their day is they were so emphasizing when it comes to their daily religious practices all the details of, well, am I giving the tithe to this and I'm making sure that I show up for this event and this function and have I spent 15 minutes in meditation and prayer? Have I read a full chapter of the Bible? Have I done all the details and ticking all the boxes? But in reality, you don't even focus on justice, mercy, and faith. You have left behind the true relationship with God and are now in the, squarely in the realm of religion. These, now look what Jesus said, these other things like tithing, these ought to be done without leaving the others undone. These religious leaders are like blind guides who strain at a gnat, but they swallow a camel. You've got to be careful of arriving in this place of getting hung up on the details. And we see it emphasizing here exactly who the scribes and the Pharisees were. How do I know if I'm emphasizing the details, Pastor Josh? over my relationship with Christ in, in this, you get to a place where, and I've been there as a Christian, I have, so I'm confessing to you, where you become more concerned with the way you appear to others than the way you appear to God. That's what Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 23. You know you're more religious than you are right with God when you're more concerned about the outside of the cup than the inside of the cup. Look what Jesus says. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, and inside they are full of extortions and, and self-indulgence. Have you ever drink, have you ever drinking, drunk, drunk, have, did you ever drunk, have you ever been drunk? 
out of a dirty cup, you have, and then you look down, and you, oh, it's filthy, it's so gross. It's terrible. One time I was at a, a friend's house and, and I said, can I grab some water? And so I went up to the cabinet, grabbed a cup and pulled it down, got some tap water and I went to take a drink and I'm drinking, I'm walking around, I'm taking a drink out of the, and uh, one of the little girls of the family came up and said, ew. <laughs> and I said, what? She said, that's the cup my daddy spits in. <laughs> so that's cool, you know, like, if that's what you do at your home, you do you. But please keep that cup out of your cabinet. You're a sick man, you know? What I mean? That's disgusting. I'm drinking you out of your spit cup. At least they cleaned it, I hope. I hope. When you get to a place where you're more concerned about your testimony than who you are in front of God, you've crossed over from relationship to religion. And your religion isn't working. It won't work to get you to God, won't work to get you to heaven, and it will not work to change your life. It's hung up on the details. Number two, the second thing Jesus teaches us is that your old religion is irrelevant and incompatible. It's irrelevant, nobody cares, and it's incompatible with what God is actually doing. Look at verse 36 through 38. Then he, Jesus, spoke to them a parable. So the way Jesus tried to emphasize things was through stories. And he gives a story here, a parable, two of them actually. No one puts a piece of new garment onto an old, otherwise the new makes it tear. And, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. Nobody patches, nobody takes... Actually, they do, Jesus. Like, I remember my, my mom. How many of you were kids and you would run and play outside all day and then your jeans would just get ripped up in the knees? You know what I mean? How many of you? And then your mom would take those little patches and she would sew them in or she would iron them on. How many of you remember the patches? And as a kid, you know, you're an 11-year-old boy. You could care less, man. Seven-year-old boy walking around. You got patches all over the place. It doesn't matter to you. Does it match the rest of your pants? No. Does anybody care? No, because you're seven and it doesn't matter. You're just having a good time. Now, what Jesus is saying, nobody's gonna do this permanently, especially in a day and age when Jesus was, where garments and clothing was extremely expensive. I mean, it was really, really difficult to get a new piece of gar garments. And so what some would try to do is take an old piece of cloth or a new piece of cloth and sew it onto the old piece of cloth and it never works. It doesn't look right. It tears the old. It's a mess. The whole thing is a mess. The whole thing is a mess. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, throw away the old garment and get a new one. Then he talks about wineskins. Jesus says, nobody puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst and the wineskin will burst. Will, wine will be uh, spilled out and, and everything will be ruined. But new wine must go in new wineskins and both are preserved. A wineskin was, uh, was made out of animal parts, animal skins and animal bladders. And, and what would have happened is they would have dried that out and they would have poured the wine inside. You would carry it around with you and drink out of it. This was a wineskin. Now, what Jesus said here is this, that nobody takes an old wineskin that has been in this arid, dry climate for years. Now it's become crusty and old and dried out. You put new wine in there, as the fermentation process begins, it will begin to expand that old wineskin. And as it does, it'll crack it and it'll crunch it and it'll destroy it. And eventually it'll just rip it in two and all the wine will spill out and both the wineskin and the wine will be ruined. You know what Jesus is saying? A lot of you are taking your old religion and you're trying to pour the new truths of Jesus inside of it. 
You're trying to take your old religion and patch the gospel of grace on top of it. You're like, I really like the way I was raised. I really like my religion. I really like the old way. I really like what I used to be. I'm just gonna add Jesus and a few Jesus thoughts on top of it and everything will be fine. And Jesus says it doesn't work that way. The grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ can never be a patch on top of your works-based religion. Ultimately, what Jesus was saying is your old system of religion must utterly and be completely eradicated. Your old system, let me throw it, say it this way. Listen to me. I don't care how you were raised and I don't care what religion you grew up with. Give me the title, I'll say the same thing, it doesn't matter. It needs to be thrown away and you need to follow Jesus. Wow, that is offensive. No wonder, look, 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 no wonder they killed him. Sometimes we sit back and be like, Jesus was a really good, why did they kill him? They killed him for this and what he says next week and the week after in this series. He says some really radical stuff. Jesus was not a reformer. I've heard people say Jesus was a reformer of Judaism. Jesus was a reformer of the religion. Jesus was not a reformer, he was a radical. He was a revolutionary. He absolutely challenged the status quo, turned the system upside down, and said, if you actually want to get to God, throw away everything you've ever known and follow me. Whoa. That is, that is harsh. Now, I got to stop here because I think I need more clarification on what religions we're talking about. Works-based religions say, which ones? All of them. All of them. Judaism is the one he's talking about. Judaism. He's directly talking about that. In Judaism, basically the way all religions work is there's a list of things, and if you do these things, God likes you, and if you don't do these things, God doesn't like you. If God likes you, you get to go to the good place. If God doesn't like you, go to the bad place. Try to do the good things. Right? That's all religions, same thing. Judaism has 10, 10 little commandments, and if you obey all the 10 little commandments, God likes you, you go to the good place. If you don't, you go to the bad place, 10. But it's not just Judaism. There is um, uh, Buddhism. Buddhism doesn't have 10 things, it has eight things. Eightfold path of enlightenment. All you gotta do is the good things, and if you do the good things, eventually you'll be enlightened and go into nirvana, everything will be okay. But if you don't do the eight things, you're not gonna get there, and it's a bad thing, you just keep going back and forth all the time. It's a mess, you see? Just do the things, and God, the gods like you, and if you don't do the things, you're in trouble, right? Islam doesn't have eight things, it has five things. Islam's got the five pillars of Islam, and if you uphold the five pillars of Islam, you'll be good because the God likes you and everybody's okay and everything's gonna be fine, but if you don't, you go to the bad place, it's a bad thing, just keep doing the good stuff and you'll be fine. Works-based religion. You do, you do, you do, you do. Catholicism. Catholicism has seven, seven sacraments. All you gotta do is the good things. If you do all the good things, you keep doing the good things, then God likes you better than the people who don't do the good things. But if you don't do the good things, the way you have, you're a bad person, you're gonna go to the bad place. So do, you gotta keep doing. Do the things, do the things. It's your old religion, do the things. It's all over the place. It's every religion. Mormonism. Mormonism doesn't have seven things or 10 things or eight things. It has 748,000 things. <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking about because some of you are like, yeah, that's the way I was raised, pastor. <laughs> you got to do all the things. And hopefully if you do all the things, the things that you do, God likes you more, you'll go to the good place. But if you don't, you go to the bad place. 
it's all works-based religion. Some of you are, 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 are um, <laughs> some of you would be like, I don't believe in a God, so I have no religion. Well, no, you're fooled. I love you, but you're fooled yourself. Here's the thing. You do have a religion. It's called humanism. Humanism is your religion. You don't believe in a God out there because you believe you are a God. Or that humans are a God in that they will save themselves. All we as humans have to do is collectively band together, hold each other's arms, swing them back and forth, sing kumbaya. We're going to get it to it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Eventually we're going to do it. And all of your faith is in humanity, which is hilarious. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, that's funny. Your faith as a humanist, because there is no God, you're a materialist, an atheist, a humanist. All of your hope is in humans. And then you say, you're the one without a religion. Friend, I'm not the one with faith. That takes a lot of faith to be that foolish. Humanism. And you've got all sorts of things that you've got to do as a humanist to be accepted by the other humanists, right? You've got to make sure that you're constantly kind to everybody else and you've got to make sure that you're always presenting yourself in a, a right way. There's also not just humanism, there's, there's, um, there's hedonism. Hedonism is the idea of seeking pleasure for myself at all times. Las Vegas loves this religion. It's whatever I can get for me all of the time, constant happy, constantly pleased, constant pleasure, constant money. It's all materialism. It's all for me and whatever I can do. And this is what you worship. You worship stuff. You worship experiences and essentially you worship you and your old religion isn't working for you. It's not getting you closer to the divine and it's also not bringing you any fulfillment. You know it. There's also environmentalism. Some of you don't worship Father God, you worship Mother Earth. And there are all sorts of laws that you have to follow, right? You have to make sure you buy a Prius. Um, you gotta make sure, right? Like, you know what I mean. Your carbon footprint has to be a certain size and you know, don't drink plastic straws. And if you drink the paper ones, you're more self-righteous than everybody else. You have a religion that allows you to look down on everybody. You're self-righteous. I'm not trying to be, I am, oh, it's funny. It is funny, but it's true, it's true. Here's the problem. You're not better than the rest of us. Nobody's better than anybody else. Your religion has not drawn you closer to God. All it's made you is more self-righteous and insulated from people who don't think like you. All of the same works-based religions. And Jesus is saying, get rid of them all. Why? What do you want to trade it in for? Faith-based relationship. Works-based religion, old. Faith-based relationship, new. What I'm calling you here to do today is not leave your religion for a new religion called Southern Hills. I'm saying leave your religion and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Gain a personal relationship with God through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who loves you, who died upon the cross to pay for your sins, who is buried and rose from the grave, and he offers you salvation. And the only way to salvation is not through eight steps or 10 commandments or five pillars or seven sacraments. The only way to heaven is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And by grace... If you, by faith, put your faith in Jesus, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. That's how salvation works. So friend, what am I trying to tell you here? I'm telling you that true Christianity is not compatible. Hear it. True Christianity is not compatible with your old religion. What is wrong with your old religion? It's hung up on the details. Number two, it's irrelevant and incompatible. Number three, and we'll be done. 
it's really hard to give up. Religion is so hard to give up. Whether you grew up as a traditional Baptist or Baptist. Which Baptist are you? I don't know. There's 45 kinds of Baptists. But I'm the right one! Or whether you're one of the many other religions we name today, man, is it hard to give up. And that's what Jesus says at the end of the passage. Look at verse 39. I love this part. Jesus says, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. Because they say, the old wine is just fine. It's the way I was raised. By the way, that's the other religion I didn't mention in point two. (laughs) I call it the way I grew up-ism. You ever hear people talk about that's not the way I was raised. It's not the way I grew up. That's not how I grew up. Look at me. I love you. Okay, you're going to, okay, look at me. Here we go. Nobody cares the way you grew up. It's a terrible argument. That's not the way things were when I grew up. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Do you know why nobody cares? Because somebody else had a different experience. Your experience is just as valid as their experience. No one cares the way you grew up. It wasn't superior to anybody else's. Your tradition needs to be filtered through one specific source, and that source is called the Bible. And traditionalism is hard to give up. Look at what he says. It's hard to say. No one one wants to, uh, who drinks the old wine seems to want, want the new wine because they say the old is just fine. Can I give you, as we close, four reasons why people cling to their old religion? Now, now, this is going to be applicable in two ways. Hear me, and we'll be out. We'll We'll be leaving soon. Two ways this is really applicable to you. Number one, some of you are having a hard time following Jesus because you're really trying to hold on to your old religious preferences. I'm trying to say, give it up. Cut it off. Those aren't helping you. Number two, some of you are trying to help and reach for Jesus, you're trying to save some of your friends, coworkers, neighbors, relatives, all these people, they don't know Jesus. And you're wondering, why is it so hard for them to give up? The reason it's so hard for them to give up on their materialism, their hedonism, their secularism, their religion, their whatever religion they come from, it's so hard for them to give it up. Here are four reasons. Are you ready for them? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Here they are, four reasons. Number one, ignorance. Reason number one, people cling to their old religion, ignorance. They just don't know any better. They don't know that Jesus Christ came and who Jesus actually was. They, they don't know that Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. They don't know it. And so the job of the Christian is to show it and to tell them about Jesus Christ. The first reason people cling to their old religion is ignorance. Number two, the second reason people cling to their old religion is fear of men. They're scared. They're afraid. Look at me. Don't get mad at them. They're afraid. They're afraid of what their priest is going to say, what their pastor is going to say, what their mom is going to say, what their mom is going to say, what their dad is going to say. They're afraid of what their community is going to say. 
to get baptized, to follow Jesus, to become a believer, to leave behind religion. That takes courage. Some of you know exactly what that's like because you did have to leave it all behind to follow Jesus. There are four reasons why people cling to their religion. Ignorance, fear of men, number two. Number three, fear of, fear of loss. If I follow Jesus, do you know what it's gonna cost me, Pastor? My entire friend's network is this way. My business associates are this way. My community is this way. My parents, my children, my grandparents, my grandchildren. If I do this, I'll lose out on all of this. And so Jesus says to people constantly, you have to leave it behind and follow me. It is not easy to let go of religion. Fourth reason people cling to their old religion is a feeling, number four, the feeling of pride. See, religion offers us something that few other things in the world offer us. Religion offers you an opportunity at securing your own self-righteousness. You get this sense of entitled self-righteousness. Look at how much better and holy I am. I follow the eightfold path of enlightenment, not like you do. I follow the Ten Commandments, not like you do. I follow the five pillars of Islam, not like you do. I've done all seven sacraments, not like you do. I worship God in the way, not the way you do. I am, I'm more wealthy than you are. I have more things than you have. I actually am better for the earth than you are. And all of this leads to this sense of self-righteousness. And if they are to give up on their religion, they lose their self-righteousness and have to just become humble in front of a God who loves them. And that's not easy. It's not easy to admit I'm a, all I am is just a wicked sinner who needs the grace of God. I have nothing to offer you, God, I have nothing. I am really screwed up and my only way of salvation and the only way of changing is for you to do that in me and through me. Will you do it? The Bible says if you ask, he'll save you. Anyone who comes to Christ in no wise he will cast out. But here's the catch. You can't come to Jesus with your religion. You can't do it. You have to get rid of everything and then come. I'm not saying all your sin, God will get rid of the sin. I'm saying you can't bring your religion to God and say, can you pour your grace into my old wineskin? You can't come to your, with your religion to God and say, hey, can you put your patchwork of Jesus on top of my old system? It doesn't work. That's why Jesus gave a parable and I'll close with it in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, there was a guy who was out looking for in a field and he found a treasure. Can you imagine finding a, a pirate's treasure in a field? The guy finds a pirate's treasure in a field and, and when he does, he says, oh my goodness, nobody knows about this pirate's treasure. He buries it back over and he goes and finds out where the land is sold and he sells everything he has to buy the piece of land so he can get the treasure. Jesus said, that's the way the kingdom of God is. When you find Jesus, the treasure, you need to leave everything behind and get the treasure. Then he gives the other parable about a pearl. He says there was a guy who was a buyer and seller of merchandise. He was a jewelry dealer and he was out looking for the best pearls. And one day he found a pearl, the pearl, 
the greatest pearl of great price, and he looked at it, and he said, how much? They told him how much, and he realized immediately that was his entire net worth. Hold it for me. He gave it back to the dealer, and he went back, and he sold his entire life savings, came back, and he purchased the pearl of great price. He turned away from everything so he could get the one thing that actually mattered. Jesus said, that's the kingdom of God. It describes perfectly how God views you and how you should view God. Jesus Christ left heaven. He left everything so that he could get you. Now he wants you to sell everything you've ever had so that you can grab him. Your religion won't work anymore. Not now that you know the truth. Once you learn about an iPhone, and for you Android people, an iPhone, there's no going back. There's no going back. And that's what Christ is trying to tell us here. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that as you demonstrate that you were not just a reformer, you were a disruptor. I pray, Father, that you would disrupt our lives and begin with our religion. I pray that we would turn our back on all the traditionalism that comes from our own experiences and our own perception of faith and religion, and we would turn completely to you, a relationship with you that is different and shifts us completely, not just from hell to heaven, but also from sinful to saved, from, a, from, from addicted, Father, to free. Help us, Father, to see this truth this Sunday and the next few weeks to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for watching Josh Tice's most recent Bible sermon. If you think of someone who may enjoy this one, go ahead and send it or post it today. If you're ever in Las Vegas on Sunday, we'd love for you to stop by Southern Hills and see us in person. If you benefit from this virtual ministry, we'd also like to encourage you to support our gospel efforts by sending a donation to the ministries of Southern Hills. You can do so by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab.